Okay. It's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I want to talk about some things here that you might be able to relate to in my deconstruction and in my personal journey. Because it's funny, as, as a pastor, I do, when some people find out, you're a pastor, you know, and it shocks a lot of people. But a lot of people who don't know me just go like, oh, so when did you get saved? That'd be often a question I get, you know, and it's always like, oh, gosh. And I kind of explain, like I got a new neighbor, great guy, Gabriel. He just moved in with his family, great guy, and found out I'm a pastor. He's all, yeah, he was gung-ho, you know, and he's a great guy, praise the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really not, that. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm an agnostic. And he's kind of like, what? You know, like, what? I'm like, in the truest sense of the word, I'm a pastor, but I embrace the fact that I don't know anything for sure, okay? I have hunches, I have feelings, I have education, I make educated guesses, but the truth is, I don't know anything for sure. Um, so when people ask me when you got saved, it's always like, well, you know, Ironically, I think I got saved when I was in the thick of my ministry <laughs> as an evangelist, as I would term myself even a domestic missionary trying to save others. And that's what I was for 10 years in ministry. My first 10 years in ministry, I was a uh, itinerant evangelist and teacher, but I was one of those sneaky guys. And it was all about salvation and getting people saved. And what our ministry did is that we used uh, our athletic backgrounds as a platform to which we could do a bait and switch. And our mission field, as we called it, were um, kids in public schools. And what we would do in what we would do is subversively approach the school with a uh, kind of like a hey, we do kind of like dare presentations, don't do drugs, stay in school, you know, listen to your mom and dad kind of talks, motivational talks as former athletes. But then we would subversively slip in our Christian testimony and then invite kids to pray a prayer of salvation. And then if they prayed that prayer of salvation, uh, they could put a check mark on an index card that I had passed out to all the students. And that way I could know, at the end of the day, we could know how many kids accepted Jesus Christ and got saved from what we would theologically say the conveyor belt to hell, as, as one theologian who taught, taught us, you know, everybody, humanity's on a conveyor belt and they're all going off into a fiery pit of hell but you're privileged because you get to pluck a few off. And that was our job, to pluck a few kids. And, at, you know, and, and uh, highly illegal, by the way, what we were doing. Highly illegal. But who cares about legality when you're doing it for God, right? So that was kind of the, the method that we did. Um, in the thick of that, in this ministry, uh, I got introduced to Jesus. The Jesus that I, that I kind of knew and remembered from when I was young. And 
the Jesus that I lost and never encountered in all my years in church, and at this point, in full-time ministry. I met Jesus for the first time outside of church. But I don't know if it was the first time because I had this understanding, even when I was very young, with the simplicity of my mom's faith, that I had this thing for Jesus. And uh, when I saw Jesus as a kid in movies and stuff, what I saw was this amazing, radical, you know, hippie, because <laughs> I grew up in the 60s, you know what I mean? And he really was about love, and he was really about breaking down barriers, and he cared tremendously about the poor and the impoverished. And I even got that he didn't like religious people. You know, that's, that's the problem. He always had problems with religious people. And, 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 and I remembered that as a, as a kid, seeing Jesus and being enamored by Jesus uh, as, as a radical much the way Martin Luther King is, you know, and in many ways Martin Luther King, we celebrate MLK Day tomorrow, uh, is, a, is, a, an, is, a, is a leader for me and an example for me, and, a, and someone who's deeply impacted my life, and I've tried to pattern myself after him in many ways, and in many ways I've suffered some of the same rebukes uh, as he has. Um, as a matter of fact, someone whispered in my ear the other day at a party like, I'm just so scared Somebody is just going to walk up to you and put a bullet in you because of the stuff you say on Facebook. And I'm like, that wouldn't surprise me. And it would be a really religious person that did it, let me tell you. <laughs> that I guarantee you. Um, but, but that Jesus got lost in church. And I got reintroduced. And that's another whole story of how that happened. But it happened. <clears throat> and it changed me as a human being. <clears throat> And it changed what I did missionally. And I became a real problem in our ministry because I wasn't going to do the prayer thing anymore. And I wasn't going to do the check marks anymore. And all of a sudden, I realized what I really had was an opportunity not to do some BS song and dance thing about don't do drugs, stay in school, and brush your teeth, listen to mom and dad. I had a captive audience, not to save from a conveyor belt to hell, but a captive audience of young people that I could perhaps really affect in a positive way, that I could really help. I got in touch with these, this other group and they had a suicide hotline and I incorporated a, uh, and I began to talk about deep issues, issues that kids like really deal with. And, that, and certainly there's, there's drug, and, but this, you know, it was just such a cheesy anti-drug. I was, I was no, just say no. I didn't want to just say no. I wanted to affect kids to make them say yes. It's not about just saying no. I want to say yes to this. And I want to say yes to that. And I want to say yes to that. And I want to be a better person in this world. And I want to change the world. And I want to make the world better. And I want to make my school better. I want to make my family better. I want to make my friendships better. I want to become a better human being and inspire them in that way to say yes to these things and not just say no. Um, and that excited me. And things changed radically in my presentations and in my connection with audiences. And uh, man, I'd hand out these little index cards where kids could write comments where we, we, we handed them out 
to get check marks so we could count and then we could tell the board we had 6,000 salvations this week in you know, Asheville, North Carolina or whatever. And then they could go, yeah, and then we'll raise money, raise more money because we're saving kids off the conveyor belt to hell. But I would have dialogue and then all of a sudden these cards I'd get, kids were just writing to me and opening up. And I would avail myself to them through my football card that had an address where they could write to me. And all of a sudden, I'm writing and corresponding with hundreds of kids. And then I was able to identify kids that were highly suicidal and meet with administration and administrators and at times meet with these kids. And then soon, um, it wasn't just, I wanted to do less schools in a day and spend more time at the school so I could hang out with kids afterwards and have real conversations with them. And man, I'm telling you, it was mind-blowing. And it was so funny because in the ministry, I'd write these reports about what took place this week and what happened in these schools and about this kid who came forward and identified himself as highly suicidal, who we went to the counselor with and we sat down and we got him help. And another child that was being sexually abused and we were able to get that child help. Other kids who came up and just said, man, you know, I've been so inspired. I was thinking about doing this and now I'm gonna go do that. And I write all these things down, but they would always go like, yeah, but how many got saved? <laughs> it was like all these real life interactions were all about check marks and a prayer of salvation. And it's, what, it's then when I realized I was going in a completely different direction. And my life is better since I've left the institution of Christianity behind. Um, have there been negative? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's, it's been a mixed bag. I mean, I've had a lot of people that I really cared for, you know, shun me, ghost me, however you want to call it, just done with me. I've had a lot of people say a lot of things about me, a lot of really evil things about me and my wife and my family. Uh, these are all very religious people. But it's all been very much worth it. Um, even though some people think the devil got me and I am Satan's agent and I am now leading people on the conveyor belt to hell, uh, I can say there are some things that got better. The first things I want to say, I got way more peace of mind. I have peace of mind. And I'm in a place now where I can be open and talk about that, that book, Love Wins, Andy. The, the biggest problem that that book actually, actually caused, the stir that got Rob, you know, run out of town and, and put him through the flames of hell, was that Rob proposed that the love of God wins and that nobody is going to hell. And that concept is a horrible concept. And that you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say God is love and then say he also has this place he created called hell where he tortures people. You know, it's like he's like a, you know, he's like a bad date. He's, he's a guy that wants you to love him. Love me. Love me. I love you, I want you to love me. 
yeah, I'm just not so sure I'm into you. Yeah, but I love you. You should love me. But what if I don't love you? Then I'm going to take you into my basement. I have a basement in my house. And I'm going to chain you to the wall. And then I'm going to start to torture you. And torture you and torture you. And just when you think you can't take any more and you're going to die, I stop for a second and let you catch your breath so I can start over again. It's going to seem like eternity. So you should love me. Okay? This is the God of modern evangelicalism. Love me or else. That's a horrible God. Now, maybe that God exists, like I say. I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. But that's not a God I can love. I have no love for that God. And I got introduced to the love of God through Jesus. And then I began to really study history and particularly church history and the evolving church history and doctrines. And I, I began this, oh my God, I saw the whole charade and the whole manipulation and the whole fear mongering and the control of people. And oh my God, and it was exposed to me. And then I, I came to realize there were a lot of people even early on, like great theologians that had no belief in hell whatsoever, that it was incompatible that a God of love could do that. Now I'm in such a stream with so many theologians that don't accept that, I kind of forget that people still actually believe that at times. Um, Dr. Jeff Cook, he's an amazing uh, professor of philosophy and religion at the University of Northern Colorado. He kind of captures in this quote what's actually happening right now around us. The traditional view of hell will not last as a dominant theory among scholars for much longer. The arguments for traditional hell fail so spectacularly and their conclusions are so repugnant that the traditional view is only carried in the popular mind by assumption and convention. No, the conversation about hell in the 21st century amongst those who study will shift and the debate will focus on two morally coherent views of hell and that is annihilationism and universalism. And I am a universalist. It is my dominant theory today that love wins, that somehow, some way, God is gonna fix and restore everybody. And we all, we all need that to a certain, certain degree. And our, so consequently, I have peace of mind. I mean, I didn't have that peace of mind. I was, you know, when I became a fundamentalist, I was worried about everybody going to hell. My dad was going to hell, my mom was going to hell, my mom was the sweetest person in the world, but she didn't believe what I believe, so she's going to hell. I'd sit on airplanes and I'd be stressed because I'd have to worry about how I had to witness to the guy next to me because if I don't, he's on the conveyor belt to hell. And maybe I'm just being lazy, but I better start a conversation with him because I don't want him to go to hell. Um, it was, and I was, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was really, uh, it was a really, I have so much more peace of mind now. And I'm with a lot of people that are dying and die. I've encountered death more in my life as a pastor for 22 years than I could have ever dreamt of. And, and I'm able to be with that person in peace and believing at least. Again, I don't know when they close their eyes and it's all over. I don't know. I haven't been there. I haven't experienced it. But at least I have this confidence now that if God is love, it's going to be okay regardless, no matter what. And I believe that God is love.
So it's been, a, it's been great. And, and now <coughs> I also can look at the world and because one of the big things as a, as a fundamentalist is you got to believe your God is in control of everything. God is sovereign, sovereign. Um, and then you got to do gymnastics around it because you look into the world and it's a crazy world. Uh, 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 the niece of a dear friend of mine here in Ojai uh, was just murdered. And it was really a, just an all-around tragic story for the whole family uh, because this woman that was murdered was an amazing woman. She and her husband met in high school, married during college, uh, had kids, she was brilliant. She got her law degree, became an attorney, but then she really started struggling with mental illness. And her mental illness deteriorated, and, and like many, she, she was not capable of maintaining and taking medication. She refused to do that, and she would spiral and spiral more deeply, and it got more chaotic for the whole family and for the kids and everything, and she would just disappear at times, and then she just disappeared again. And, uh, and then they found that she had crossed the Mexican border, and they ended up finding her unrecognizably beaten to death in her car. And, and, it's just, and then I read this letter that her husband wrote, and I read this letter that her sister wrote, and just about they're dealing with mental health issues in this country and the struggles. And, and I just look at that and I'm like, that's just chaos. That's just horrible. There's not a God that I know or want to know that could be in control of that and sovereign over that. And I don't believe that anymore. So I don't have to do those weird gymnastics. I can look at the suffering in the world and I can be with suffering people who say, why would God do this to me? And I say, God's not. Why doesn't God do something? God can't. I'm not exactly sure why, but I guess God is not all-powerful. Now, I believe God is all-loving, and I don't believe that God blesses people, blesses you, but not you. I believe people are a blessing. I believe I get blessed by people, and I can be a blessing to others as a human being in the way I treat you or act you. Those kind of things can happen. I was, uh, was it yesterday, the day before yesterday? I don't know. Down in Ventura, and Kathy had to go to Vaughn's, so we stopped at Vaughn's, and she went in the shop, and I was going to stay in the car. And I stay in the car, and I, I look, and I see this woman on the ground, obviously homeless, obviously weather-beaten, and she's just howling. I mean, she's just crying and howling. She's got like a bag, and she's lying by the Vaughn's entrance, and, I, and I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I can't take my eyes off her, and, she's, and Kathy's in there probably 15, 20 minutes, and this woman is just wailing, I mean, just sobbing. I mean, just snot, tears, just a mess. And people are just walking in and out and going by her, and I'm like going, God, dang it. I can't take this, you know? So I go run over to the store next to the Vons and I buy a blanket and I approach her and I could see she was completely freaked. I'm like, I got a blanket for you. You want a blanket? 
would you like a blanket? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take a blanket. So I come and I wrap the blanket on her and give her some tissues to wipe her face. And I'm like, so what's the matter? And she hands me this little crumpled piece of yellow paper. And I open it and I read it. And it says, Vaughn's uh, roasted chicken. I'm like, you want a roasted chicken? She, and then she, she looks at me and she goes, that's all I need. My stomach, my stomach, it handles the roasted chicken. I, I like the roasted chicken. It's all I need in the world. That's what she says to me. All right. I get her a roasted chicken. And she's like, I love you. I love life. I'm going to take good care of myself. Now, I don't know if a single thing she said there is true. But I, I look at that moment, and you know how I am when it comes to the mental health aspects, I mean, in this country. It's, it's despicable what we, what we do, or what we lack to do for those. I, I can't even think, but the, the bare minimum service of a person like that could make actually maybe a substantive change in their life if they could have some counsel, some medical care, maybe some medication, maybe just somebody to talk to on a regular basis. But no, we, no, we need a bigger military budget. We need more bombs. You know, that's, that's the priority here. And it's, it's, a, it's a misplaced priority for me when I look at people like that. But what I didn't have is the notion to save her. What I didn't have is the foolishness to say, listen, you think it's bad now? If you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. You think you're in hell now? You just wait. What a sick and twisted religion that is, right? The religion I have now is simply to be the blessing. Not to receive it, but to give it. To do little things like that. And I'm going to tell you, I love that part of my life more than ever. Another thing I discovered was, man, I love education. And as an evangelical fundamentalist, I was not allowed to be educated. I wasn't allowed to read except these things they told me I could read. Like my one former friend, he was such a nut job. He's such a fundamentalist, and it was like, and all he, all he read was John MacArthur. John MacArthur, John MacArthur, John MacArthur, John MacArthur. John MacArthur tapes, John MacArthur CDs, John MacArthur books, John MacArthur Bible, George commentaries. And I'm like, dude, do you ever read anybody else? No, John's got the truth. I'm like, you know, and that was I told. I, I was told I couldn't read anybody else. And then I started reading these brilliant theologians from Harvard and Princeton and Yale, and I started going like, oh my God, these people are so much smarter, and I'm getting smarter. And I, I, I just, all of a sudden, I fell in love with education, and, and I love to learn. Another thing I learned um, is friends. All of a sudden, I have this radically expansive plethora of different kinds of friends. Whereas before, it was always that, you know, you had to do the church thing with the church people. And you stay with the church people and the people who think like you, 
talk like you, act like you, because you don't want to get infected by the others. If the others are, if there's a, a reason to, to talk to the others, it's as a project. It's a reason to talk to your neighbor, it's to get him saved, to get him to come to your church, to get him to read the stuff that you do and think the way that you do. But now, man, it's just, I have this crazy, wonderful mosaic of different people and different religions and different beliefs, and yet this commonality, uh, my, my life is so much richer because I'm not judging other people. I'm not seeing other people as projects, I'm just seeing them as people and as friends. So I'm less judgmental to others, and I'm gonna tell you something else, I'm, less, I'm far less judgmental to myself, for better or worse. I used to really worry a lot about what everybody thought. You know, I just did, I worried about that a lot. I used to worry about being in Vaughn's and what was on, you know, is anybody looking? Let's see the margarita mix. You know, I mean, they just like really be panicky about that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I felt judged, you know, or even like around friends or like my dad, my dad would come over. My dad was, you know, rough around the edges is an understatement. And if he was around my Christian friends, I'd just be constantly embarrassed about my dad. Like, oh God, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm, I would be so uptight. I'd be, man, not fun to be around. I'll tell you what, man, um, I am less judgmental towards myself. And, and that actually feels really good. Another thing I like to do now, because of my newfound construction, is I like to give credit where credit is due. Even when it comes to me. Now this may sound arrogant, but I used to give God all the glory. God didn't do it. I did it. I remember when Kathy told me once, because I was always like, oh man, that sermon sucked. I was, that was awful. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm such a disappointment to God. And she goes, well, who do you give credit to when the sermon goes well? Oh, God gets the glory. Well, then you can give him the blame too. <laughs> when your sermon sucks, you can go ahead and give him the blame too, you know? I mean, how many times have you ever seen a football player so I just want to give God the glory for helping us lose this game today. We just got our asses kicked. It was amazing. And I, I, all glory to God because he was in control. You never see that, you know? Come on. And that means when a doctor does something amazing, I don't have to thank God. I can thank that doctor. I can thank that doctor for choosing a profession and spending eight years studying out of their mind and eating top ramen and working 26 hours out of a 24-hour day to try to do something, and I don't have to say, oh, thank God the, the operation worked. Oh, God, you're so good. Like, no, the surgeon did a hell of a job and deserves credit. That's, I, I that's great. I, I don't, I, and I don't have to self-loathe. I don't, man. Last couple. One, I got, so I got all kinds of new friends, but um, they're also funner. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say they're a lot more fun. It's, the friends I hang out with are a lot more fun, whether they're Christian or non-Christian or whatever. I'm just saying they're just fun. They're funner. It's a funner crowd. Um, 
that's just that's just the truth. You know, I you know <laughs> I can laugh at stuff now, you know, and not be worried about oh I'm laughing at that and oh no no it's it's hilarious. I see better movies. <laughs> um, and last, I guess, this obsession that I used to have with the sweet by and by is, has shifted to the here and now. And I have a passion for the here and now. I have a passion for the present. I have a passion for the people that are in my presence. And, and I live my life in a way that every day if I can just, I enjoy, as, a, as, as it's now like breathing for me, just trying to be present, trying to be present for my kids, trying to be present for my wife, trying to be present for my friends, trying to be present for people I don't know on the street corner. Um, and I like to be involved in things that are making the world a better place and making people better people. And so, yeah, there's, there's been some losses because of leaving my fundamentalism behind me, but the gains have been amazing. And you all have been amazing. You're an amazing part of my life. And, uh, and we have the freedom here to, to believe and follow our paths and to be authentic to them whatever they are, however they morph, however they change or don't. Uh, but I know we're all on the same page in trying to make uh, this world a better place, that we're all on the same page, that we love a loving God, and we're loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Peace and grace be with you. Uh, uh.